Hi, I'm Genevieve Day, and this is Uncommon. Uncommon is a production focused on the why of business, media, and marketing. It's made by my team at Neural, a digital agency for challenger brands and talent. To learn more, just visit neural.com. That's N-E-U-R-A-L-L-E.com. Right, uh, my guest this week. Jen Day, uh, founder and director of both Day Management and Next of Kin Management. The last time, oh, look at that creek. (laughs) The last time we had you in, uh, a lot's happened. You've gotten engaged. Mm -hmm. You've gotten ripped like Arnie. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. (laughs) You've expanded businesses. Yep. You, I think you, have you bought a house? I have, yes. Um, Quite the... Two years, yeah. I guess you could say. And look, nothing else really happened since 2020. That was the main thing, right? COVID. <laughs> there was a little <laughs> bit of COVID, yes. No, it's been a big transformative time. Yeah. It's been fun. What's, um, in hindsight, because I, I just find this interesting looking back, and actually, have you had COVID yet? No. Really? I haven't got it. I don't plan on getting it. Yeah. Fuck me. I'm, okay. I'm so proud of that fact. You've not had the flu? I've had the flu shot. I've never had the flu. Okay. Pat had COVID and we just isolated in the house. And you didn't get it? No. Jesus. It was a blissful week though because I got to have a whole night on my own. When does that ever happen? (laughs) So we got it like around Christmas. We were moving in here and I reckon we got it from like Sydney. Anyway, it's not as bad as what people think as long as you're Mm. vaccinated. Yeah. But I'm, I'm shocked, absolutely shocked that you... I haven't had it. And I've been at all those like super uh, spreader events. events. Yeah, like Glamour on the Grid and all those things are everyone dropping like flies. But I'm feeling a little bit invincible. And yeah. me, me now saying that on record means I'm going to get it tomorrow. <laughs> Maybe you've got like a supreme immune system. I like to think so. Like how I just, I find it remarkable like when you're working as much as you do mm-hmm. to not get sick. It's pretty, there's no time. There's no time, there's no to, time be to be sick. So I just refuse. Yeah, right. <laughs> Interesting. Um, so, yeah, it was April 2020. April 2020. Two and a bit years. I don't think – yeah, so next to Kin, you launched Feb 2021. Correct. Day management, I think now, this is, you know, when I was doing my little yeah. hearing last night, I think <laughs> I count five staff at day and three at next of Kin. Am I yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. So okay. quite the team. Um. What has been like the biggest change for you mentally, do you think, over the last two years? Like, do you think as an individual, as a founder, things have pivoted for you? Absolutely. I think the big like buzzword is resilience. Okay. I think that going through the unknown, you have to kind of embrace the calm and the chaos. I feel like we, no one could really predict what's going to happen in business in 2020 and how bad it was going to be or potentially how good it was going to be as well. So I think just having a really thick skin and being resilient and just keeping on going. Mm. I don't think, well, I personally don't give myself the opportunity to quit. Like that's not an option. So you just have to keep on going because you don't have a choice, um, which was kind of nice to test myself in those waters during that time. And also just like empathy, I guess. I think everyone's become more empathetic seeing what people are going through. And I think I've become a more empathetic leader as well. And I think having more staff and a bigger team member, like I'm learning all the time from these amazing people and different personalities. And I feel like I'm getting softer in a way, which is lovely. 
<laughs> uh, do you um yeah because when we last caught up you would have definitely been more on the tools do you think you are less so now and more a manager of people absolutely yeah, yeah. so I've also just recently as of like this year brought in someone as a senior account manager or senior talent manager I should say which means the senior team is myself Ella who's been with the team for three years and Simone now okay and I'm in the process of kind of handing over everything that I do in day to day so that I can do strategy and much more bigger picture and drive the agencies instead. So that's been really cool and kind of surprising as well that I'm loving that side of the business so much. Like I didn't anticipate to love that people management, but the girls are so great and they keep it fun. And yeah, it's like the highlight of my week sometimes. Yeah. It is a hard thing to do. We just had a conversation with, um, who was it? Actually, we were just talking with Jackie about it because I think we're in the process of onboarding a few new accounts yeah. and my immediate process goes to, fuck, how do we deliver on this? But there's, it's always a better problem to have too much work than not mm-hmm. enough work. Um, and so we're just talking about the type of person that we want to come in. Yeah. That's exciting yeah. because, but yeah, the first thing she said was like, so we need to get someone so that you do less. Mm-hmm. Totally. So not up at 12.40 doing notes for your interview. Yeah. And it's been a slow burn for me as well. I feel like I haven't worked weekends for a long time now, but there was a point in time where I was working seven days a week and my hours were crazy. And it's a really nice point in time now where I can go to Pilates at 5.30 and then log on afterwards still. But yeah, I'm getting my life back a little bit. Yeah. I'm longing for that. Yeah. I'm slowly getting there, but it's it's still a bit off. Um, yeah, I, I can, I can see like yeah, we're definitely like years behind you, but you can sort of, you as an example, I can sort of see it. Um, yeah. yeah, COVID, yeah, what was that like for you? Seven days a week? I mean, a little bit, yeah, not going to lie. Um, we had that initial drop-off, which everyone kind of saw, and it was, you know, getting those phone calls the day before the Grand Prix was meant to be and the day of Melbourne Fashion Festival getting, you know, the call of, the head from AMPR saying, Jen, the event's been cancelled because of Mm. this virus. So that was kind of crazy and just brands freaked out initially, but then they could kind of see the power of digital and realise, well, we can't do events anymore and we have to get smart and creative. And so we kind of had this amazing wave of new ways of doing things and new business coming through for that as well. So it ended up Mm. being a really strong time in the end. Yeah. Um, which it wasn't for everyone. So I'm really sensitive about that too. But I think digital thrived and whether that was like Flex DJing from her living room for an event, <laughs> a virtual event launch or, you know, doing those amazing cooking videos from home and people just getting creative and having fun with it. Yeah. I um, Yeah, I completely agree. I think for us, the because we had not solely gone into that area, it was the moment that it pushed us to pivot completely towards talent or yeah. like you would dub it UGC influences mm-hmm. and talent. Um, and yeah, it was, it was tough in the beginning, but it definitely, like I feel like COVID just accelerated a lot of things already happening. Yeah, absolutely. And I think now those bigger brands look at their marketing budgets and they know how much they want to give mm-hmm. to influencers or digital. And I feel like that percentage of the pie would be greater now because of what we've all gone through. Yeah, a hundred percent. Flex, when did you sign Flex? Probably 2017, 18. Wow. 
Wow, maybe so she's 18. been with you for a bit. Yeah, That's she's amazing. incredible. And what she does, like hats off to her. She works so bloody hard. Yeah, because Lauren and I love her content. Yeah. Um, we, we love Frooms as well. And I remember uh, maybe I even emailed you about it, but like I, I had gotten word that something was going to drop with Kada and you were very tight-lipped because I was pitching Frooms oh, yeah. for a concept on uh, like a Spotify show. Yep. And then I, like she was like, her manager was like, oh, she's currently contracted to do X, Y, Z. And then the Spotify creative director sent me this link. Yeah. Saying it'd been leaked <laughs> on Umbrella or something like that. It's so cool what they do because it's kind of like this unlikely pairing in a way, but they're the perfect pairing because of that. Yeah. And they're so strong as creators and it's been really cool seeing people wanting them to do more and more things together as well. How did that conversation start? Did you think I'm going to pitch ARN or did ARN reach out to you about Flex? And how different was the original concept to what it is now? I actually can't take any credit for that at all. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't involved in that um, discussion with Flex and Cater. Really? Yeah. Wow. Interesting. And do they, so they're Monday, what are they at the moment, Lauren, Monday to Friday? Yeah, I think it's every single, like, drive home. (laughs) Because Lauren's obsessed with it. I listen to the podcast. Oh, yeah, amazing. I actually know yeah, I think it's daily. Yeah. And yeah, the social cutdowns are so good as well. Like they've just nailed that cross platform. Yeah. yeah. So for you in the last 18 months, maybe 12 months, what's been the big, because the thing for us is we were just like, we got into the talent space and during COVID, it was all about brand deals that sort of when you're first in it, it's like that naive, oh, we'll just do brand deals and brand deals are great. Yeah. But then you slowly realize, okay, I can only ever make 20% on this. And the way to scale it is to either A, sign more talent for the talent to grow or sign bigger talent, mm-hmm. but there's always going to be that cap. So that's why you got to start thinking about other stuff. Yeah. And for us, with our talent, very different to yours. It's all like comedy, music, yeah. game, like more entertainment, clearly like for a male audience. Mm-hmm. And so the thing for us was like, okay, you do brand deals, but then you've got touring. Or like, so they're doing shows, yep. which was hard during COVID, but it's been a recent thing. Or content development, like with Spotify or yeah. Kada or ARN or whatever it may be. So what's been those big development things that you've been able to look at more? I think, yeah, in terms of growth, you're so right. You either have to have a hundred talent or you have fewer talent doing bigger things and growing mm. in the types of deals they're doing and what you can charge for that. Yeah. We our goal is not to have 150 talent at day management. Um, I'd rather have the people on our books working really hard to their capacity and getting the best deals that they can and that everyone there is doing bigger and better things as time goes on. Mm. So I guess our strategy is kind of thinking how can we expand a one-off booking into a long-term partnership? How can we expand a Instagram post into that person then hosting an event for that brand? Gotcha. Or, you know, doing a limited podcast series in terms of like Sarah Davidson and PayPal or Seek. So kind of taking the bookings that might say, can I just take one Instagram post, please? And we say, well, no, you can't, but you can have them for six months and you get to use them for their media, you know, PR push as well. And kind of finding those ways to make it into a bigger 
bigger relationship. Yeah. And then it kind of helps us as well because we're not jumping around so much. There may be fewer sponsored posts, but they're bigger deals behind the scenes. So it's kind of that transition from them being influencers with product posts all the time to being these media personalities. Yeah. I think that's the thing you've done really well. We've drifted away from those type of, that type of talent. Because I found that, yeah, if you've got too many deals, you just need so many hands to deal with it. Yeah. And also, like, I feel like it becomes boring, right? I mean, I still get excited by it. I mean, it's exciting. Yeah. It's exciting booking the deals, but I just think that the person like Jackie and Lauren who are working on it, if you deal with these flurry of deals, it can, I don't know, it can get a bit annoying. So, yeah, yeah. The, the sustained stuff, that's the thing that I've got to get better at. There's definitely a time and a place for it. And I think that's what Next of Kin does really well. It is that kind of bread and butter Instagram post, story set, booking, like wham, bam, doing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So that's kind of our strategy over there. But yeah, in the day side of things, we're definitely transitioning to do bigger partnerships, bigger ambassadorships. Like we want their face on a billboard. We want to be locked and loaded and exclusive um, and then having people pay for that. And how early on did you realize that? Because I reckon after a year, I was like, oh, fuck, all right, we've got to, we're going to do something other than just booking four deals a month for a person or 20 Mm. deals a year. We've got to think bigger. I think I've always been hungry for that. It's been harder to prove when we're first starting out. It's very hard. Yeah, because they're like, well, why should that person be the ambassador? And I'm like, they're going to be huge, just believe me. But, yeah, now it is easier um, because the names are bigger as well. And, Mm. you know, I've been doing day management for seven years, which then means someone like Sarah Davidson has been growing for seven years as well. Mm. So they've become at the forefront of the media landscape, which does make it easier. Then when a brand says, I want to work with her, I'm like, well, you can't just have her for a one-off post because she's on TV now and she has, you know, a best-selling book and she's got the podcast and you have to kind of be involved with her at that next level up now. Interesting. And what's the, when you look at a group of 10 different brands that approach you about that, what's the average response like? Is 80% no thank you and 20% is, hmm, let's, let's speak about that. I find that we have to be the ones saying no a lot, okay. which is really hard. And we can have even like the best brands, but they just don't have the right budget or it's just not the right timing. So unfortunately, it's a lot of turning people away, a lot of no, which then obviously clears up space for the right opportunities as well. So you have to have that trust factor. Yeah. But I hate doing that. It's hard. That was a big lesson I learned during COVID is learning to say no. Yeah. Um, Just because you go through that period of time where business is fucked, it's intense and that initial March, April, May period. And you're just trying to think about how do you make the business better. A lot of that was reading and, you know, specializing, mm. looking at things that you guys are doing that other guys are doing. Um, yeah, it was it was very hard in the beginning, but now in hindsight, it's so easy because we've built it up through doing that. Yeah. But in that early stage, it's fine. It's also like we're in the business of people, right? Mm. So even though I'm like, I know that I have the capacity to deliver this, if that person that we're selling in doesn't what's the point Mm. so we want to make sure we're being really realistic of like how many retainers can one person actually take on yeah like what's their total capacity yeah and it's different per talent like some people are total workhorses that can just like get it done and are amazing and some people need a little bit more time and balance or they have other projects happening so yeah it's always a factor as well of like what can we actually feasibly do oh yeah that's interesting because we, when we, 
recently we updated like our brand pricing to take into account capacity. Because mm-hmm. I remember reading this fascinating article about how like being in a people business like an agency. Yep. It's like it's almost like an airline. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Like when you have the tube and you've got economy, premium, business first, different like there's only so much that can be sold. Mm. Right? And you kind of apply that in a similar way and that you only have so much talent and they only have so much time and so much mental capacity to deal with stuff. Yeah. So you've got to start to take that into account. I'd never even thought about never even thought about that. Yeah, what an analogy. Yeah. And now it? they're all going on literal airplanes to Europe as well. So I'm like, oh, so no bookings in July then? Yeah. All right. <laughs> so are you, out of interest, are you going away to Europe? No. We'll do a honeymoon in Australia in September. Okay, cool. So I'll take a holiday then. Nice. It's Good. been a little while. <laughs> have you have you, um, have you booked it already? Oh, yeah. Okay. All booked. Cool. All organised. Do you know where you're going? Yeah, we're doing Hamilton Island and Hayman Island. Wow. Yeah, I remember we did, uh, what did we do, Lauren? We did like six, seven days in Byron Bay. It wasn't really a holiday. Amazing. It was right. just work. <laughs> oh, no, guys. <laughs> Worked in a sunny area. Um, yeah, that was like middle of COVID, right? It was like yeah. April, May. Hey, leaving Melbourne, what a win. But we did have a break recently. We went to go see Lauren's parents in Can- uh, Port Douglas. Amazing. And finally felt like I had a break, which was quite... Yeah, I'm really craving that. I haven't really taken time off in like two and a half, three years. Yeah. And then, you know, we had a bit of staff turnover as any agency has been going through and I'm like, oh, it's okay. I'll just do their job as well while we're hiring or like <laughs> then some of the other people need to take leave. I'm like, you should take a holiday. Like you've been working really hard too. I'll just do your job while you're away. Yeah. So. It's fucked. Yeah, it's yeah. fucked. <laughs> That's, yeah, we've been guilty of that. So the business as it stands today, I think that I was – I was like, fuck, she's so smart. When you launch Next of Kin, I was like, <laughs> this makes so much sense. Where Now that you've got time to think about the strategy, right, mm-hmm. you've got your core premiere, uh, like, you know, people who are media personalities now. Yeah. They're, no, they're not just influencers, so that's day management. Mm-hmm. And then you have Next of Kin, which when people go and look at the website, and the link will be in the show notes. Amazing. It is. It's like it's just basically mothers, right? Well, that's exactly what it is. It's a specialist agency. So doing one thing and doing it well, just targeting families and mums. And do you look at that model and go, okay, I've got this, it's worked. Would you then apply that in different special, because that's a super niche. Like that is super, super niche. Because some people would look at it and go, oh, you're focused on lifestyle or you're focused on music or gaming. Like that would be almost like us studying a separate agency for Minecraft gamers. Only. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, but also mums are the biggest decision makers in the family. They're making all the financial decisions in the supermarket. They're the ones that everyone wants to target. I think, yeah, you break up your marketing spend into families, sinks and dinks. So like single income, no kids, <laughs> double income, no kids. But yeah. it's mainly going to the families. Yeah. And so we had a lot of people coming to us wanting to sign with day management and I was like, oh, I really love this person, but it doesn't really make sense to have them there and then have Brooke Blurden there. It didn't Mm. quite align. And again, it wasn't my intention to have a hundred people on the books a day. So I was like, oh, but I don't want to limit myself. Let's just do a whole new venture. Okay. And I'm presenting it to the team 
in like our team whip. And I'm like, guys, new agency, here we go. And they're like, oh, but Chen, we're so busy. And I'm like, oh, we'll hire someone new. It's fine. We'll staff it. It'll be fine. And I think once you've done something once, there's no fear there anymore. Like I wasn't scared. Oh, is this going to fail? It's like, no, I I have all the contacts. I know the people. We know who to talk to for Huggies and Lego. Like we're all good. And it was still a lot of education when we launched it about what it is and why it exists. But it's funny, we've been doing a lot of meetings in the last couple of weeks about like new financial year budgets. And so many people are like, yeah, love your day talent, but tell me more about Next of Kin. Interesting. So they're really lapping it up. And I think its effectiveness is for like that less sexy campaign approach. Mm. So we can do campaigns with sorbent toilet paper and it's not diluting a message that we've spent seven years building. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, um, would you say more transactional brands or more household brands? More household brands, yeah. Yeah. Things you'd find in a supermarket, but also kids' toys, cotton on kids, big W. Mm. It really can be anything, and we still do a lot of like hair and beauty and fashion because no one is ever just a mum. Like people don't just exist to have kids. They still have interests in sport and wellness and food and beauty. So we get to kind of touch all those markets, but through that one lens. And then when an agency gets a brief in and they're like, oh my gosh, I need to find 30 family talent, (laughs) they just call us. Wow. Yeah. And do you think that you will do, have you thought about doing that in different niches now? I mean, I haven't, but now you mention it, (laughs) I'm going to go away from this meeting and be like, what other niche? Yeah, because, yeah, I've always thought about like that and and segmenting people. Mm. Um, I'm in agreement that I think we're at our absolute max and we never, I don't think we'll ever sign more than 30 people. That's like Mm. the most that we'll ever have. That's a lot of people. A lot. Yeah. Um, But also we're in a domain that is, you know, it's like when you first started out, it's a lot. It's a lot younger. Yeah. There are less household names than the talent that you have. Yeah. There are people that are getting to that point. Like a Will Gibb is getting to that point where he's a household name. Amazing. You know, there's maybe one or two others there, but the majority still aren't at that point there. And it will probably take three, four years. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's always always interesting. Uh, It's like... I don't know. The the only analogy I could think of is it's like being a coach for some sort of sporting team. Oh, absolutely. Because you have the group relationship and then you have your individual relationship with the talent. Yeah, totally. And you're constantly managing that and you know you only have so much capacity to deal with X amount, whatever that number is. It's a lot of mentoring. It's a lot of talking about things that aren't work as well. Mm. And that's all part of the relationship. And, yeah. And I think what I love to see now is like, one of the girls going to one of the talent's house for lunch or something. Mm. And that's their relationship. And, you know, being secure enough, knowing that like they're allowed to have that. It doesn't have to be me. I don't have yeah. to be there. But, you know, sending them along to events and sending the team out because, yeah, I can't be physically texting everyone from both agencies all the time. Mm. But they know they have that person and they know they can call me at any time if there was an issue or if they had a question or just wanted my advice. They know that they would have direct access to me as well. Yeah, so that that was a key question I had for you is like when you get to that point and as we were talking to Jackie before of handing more stuff over to her as we hire more people because I do too much. Yeah. What is – how do you see that relationship with the talent? Is it – does it become more friendship 
base and do you people who are busier you're spending more time with like how do you how do you manage it yeah it's hard to get the balance right i think I have a lot of genuine friendships with my people as well. Mm. And so it naturally falls into a friendship and I might have dinner with them and not speak about work at all. And that's not why we're there. But yeah, I think it's just trying to be as equal as you can and be mindful of that too. And even if it comes down to things like, you know, who am I commenting on Instagram page? Like I don't want to comment on one person and neglect someone else and trying to keep it even like no one has a favorite <laughs> child. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's tricky. And sometimes people do get more of my hours just because they have more things on that involves mm. me personally. Um, and, and other talent are often aware of it. You know, like people, for me, it's Will Gibb is like, he, he's the busiest guy that we have in our roster. Yeah. And other talent are aware of it. So you know, you oh, get that's those so comments. tricky. It's very hard. It's very, very hard. But it just is the nature of the the business, right? Yeah. I think at the same time, though, like I never want people to feel like, oh, well, they get more booking, so they deserve more than me because yeah. that's not how I really like to operate either. Like they're all kind of equal in my view and they all started out at the same point. So who knows, you know, someone who could be lower down, less busy now could become the next hot big thing. Mm. So you want to make sure that we're giving equal attention and love and everything to everyone because, yeah, they could all blow up. They could all explode into be this next huge media star. And the thing is that that has been the competitive advantage of being smaller rather than having a big roster because you can give that. Totally. So it's always a tough thing. If you were to pick a niche though, going back to it, what would you pick? Oh. As as an as a new thing, mm. it's so hard because like if you look at beauty, Max Connectors do it so well. Yeah, they kind of have that niche, and I think fashion is too limiting. Yeah, and it's funny with next of kin. Like I don't have any kids, but now I know so much about swaddles and baby <laughs> monitors and types of formula just from working in that niche. Yeah, maybe there isn't another niche. Maybe. I've already got it all covered. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you want then for the next few years? Have you thought about that? You probably will when you finally go on break. Yeah. I mean, we're doing more in the TV space, which is very cool mm-hmm. and kind of a passion of mine. And so that's been really fun. And that like natural progression more into the media space as well and not just like the social media space. So that's been fun and new and challenging and interesting. Um, so probably continuing on in that journey, but at the same time, we never want to reject our roots and the mm. fact that we are so strong on social and digital, again, sets us apart. So we don't want to be like, oh no, we only do TV campaigns or we only do huge ambassador deals for our talent. Like we'll always do Instagram posts and everything, but yeah, finding that balance of the jobs that elevate and push people more into the mainstream media, that's kind of going to be the focus. Do you have a personal dream in the TV space because that that was a big thing for me in the last six months is getting most of our ta- like getting on board with the casting guild mm-hmm. is a big thing so we're on their platform now and then getting people cast for jobs that's that's an interesting part obviously a lot of what you would do is people coming to you for that yeah and it's also kind of educating them when they come to us for one person it's like well look at our roster and have you thought about this or I know you want this one person for this show but actually the other person is way more suited and actually available like would you ever produce 
a show with with one of your lead talent? <laughs> oh, not really. See, I don't really have goals to go into like production like that. Mm. I'll work alongside it. I don't need to get my hands dirty in that arena. Yeah, right. Yeah. Do you look at it and go, fuck, it's just, it's a lot of work. It's so much work. Yeah. And so much, so many elements that you cannot control, which I guess is our lives anyway. But yeah, I'm happy to work alongside them. And just craft the concept. Yeah. Yeah. So we were talking earlier about, I was on a phone call with someone and they were saying, oh, we're in a recession. I think everyone at the moment, like in financial markets, everyone is freaking out. Mm. There's no doubt. Yeah. But I'm not seeing it in marketing buys which or media buys, which is honestly like where you would see it, right? Like the reality of a recession would be exhibited in less people spending money on marketing. Yeah. So where do you see the state of things at the moment? Are you busier than you've ever been? Are you at a nice pace? Do you think it will get busier later this year? It's so funny because I was doing some number crunching last night with Pat who works in finance and he kind of helps me like do all these trend reports and graphs and everything. <laughs> and over the seven years I've been in business, there's been all these different changes and circumstances and COVID and everything, but the trends are the same. Right. It always spikes Black Friday, Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It always goes down a bit in January. It spikes around April. Mother's Day is huge. It goes a little bit quiet towards the end of financial year. That's been consistent. Mm. And the amounts has obviously changed as more people got on board with influence marketing. But we haven't seen any big drop-offs. And, you know, you read the headlines about this big recession and lettuce is $11 and that's crazy and the cost of living. And it probably will trickle down if people genuinely cannot afford to buy the products we're pushing. Mm. Um, I shouldn't say pushing, that we're authentically promoting. <laughs> um, but at the same time, brands still have that marketing budget. They've still got it approved. They need to spend it. They need to promote what they're doing. Mm. So I don't think it's going to go down dramatically if at all in a way. Yeah, we probably won't know for like this is what I was confused about that conversation is we probably won't know for at least six to nine months. Yeah. Because like this whole year, there's going to be a bunch of interest rate increases that takes like so long to affect people and their spending. The trickle down effect, totally. Like people talk about the interest rate ex increase, but like realistically, you know, $50, $80 for your average household isn't actually that much in this day and age. The biggest impact is to wages increase. Yeah. And so I think it might be... even be like maybe people then aren't going to Chanel and buying a $4,000 handbag. Mm. Instead, then they will go to sports go and buy one there instead. Yeah, like yeah. people are still going to spend money. I think we spoke about that with um, Gemma as well. And maybe it was you on your podcast when we did the Zoom stuff. Yeah. And we we're talking about like the lipstick the effect. The lipstick effect, yes. <laughs> Remember when that was like, you, you know, the, all those major trends that people yeah. talk about on Mumbrella and Totally. All that sort of shit. But it's uh, true. It is true. We were all, and like even looking at myself as a case study, I bought so many serums and so much makeup in lockdown and we weren't going anywhere. Mm. And, you know, the brands we worked with, like the Tribe Skincare's and TBH Skincare, like huge sales results. They're killing it. It's amazing to see. And because people want to feel special in a time of uncertainty, yeah, it, it will be interesting to see. I think it will take a long time to see it realised if it actually is affecting spending or if they just choose different spending instead. Yeah, is it just the, the media? You know, is the media spinning this and, and people are worried because of that? Yeah, and at the same time, 
like our mortgage went up. That's annoying. It's annoying. Petrol is expensive. That's awful. Yeah. Like lettuce shouldn't be that expensive. So cost of living is definitely an insane factor. Mm. But I think if brands have already locked away marketing budgets, that's not going to have an effect to us now. Yes. And I think those things will come down as the interest rates, pardon me, mm. increase. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. I think, yeah, claims of like recession are very, like, I'm not going to pretend to predict anything. Yeah. So we'll, we'll wait and see. But um, I don't know. I just, I, I've got this feeling of like, I don't know if you had this during COVID and there was a lot of, because I was consuming so much media around what was happening with COVID. Mm. The perception of what was happening was really heightened. Yeah. And I just wonder if this is a similar thing. And then in hindsight, you look at it and, okay, it was bad, but was it like, was it as bad as what I thought it was going to be at the time? Probably not. Don't know. It's easy to get sucked in with Very the reporting as well. In. And I'm, I'm terrible like that. <laughs> like I see the thing on YouTube, a clip for Channel 9 or something. And yeah. Like, something's happened, war in Ukraine, all that sort of shit. Next thing, QAnon. Yeah, QAnon. <laughs> um, Another question I got for you is, so I read the article around Allah and yourself and yeah. there's a series on Mumbrella called Duos and they talk about people who have working relationships that lean on each other mm-hmm. quite a lot. I guess getting to that point, like I think she started 2019. Yeah. That is a long period of time to get to that point where you have that confidence to do that. Particularly as a founder who's in the business, mm-hmm. handing over things, as you would know, is scary. <laughs> Um, what advice would you have to me around that and exploring that with staff as time goes on? I mean, the biggest takeaway is just to trust. Okay. And how do you trust someone? You have to give them opportunities to fail and opportunities to learn and to grow and to kind of hand something over and be like, you need to handle it now. And even a lot of like my mentoring in some of the girls in the team, they'll come into my office and be like, this is happening. And I say, well, how would you handle that? Mm. What should you do? Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to give them the answer. Yeah. I'll obviously be there to catch them if they stumble or fall. But, yeah, I think giving people the space to grow into a position as well and have that, yeah, the onus of what they're doing, they want to feel like they're getting the wins, which they are as well, and that it's their wins. It's not got my fingerprints all over it. Yeah, so, like, the default goes from telling and saying you sh- this is what I would do or this is what you should do it goes for to what would you do yeah absolutely and prompting them to use their own like what they've learned over the last year or two totally and there'll still be check-ins and conversations of like well, what's happening with this or what's the update on that but also I'll go to the team now and say to them what should I do in this situation or do you think that my response here is too harsh or too emotional or whatever it might be interesting i think I'm big on the two-way communication and even bringing in Simone, who's a senior talent manager, I'm kind of saying to her, can you manage me? <laughs> like I haven't had anyone tell me what to do in seven years. Yeah. That's not a good thing. It's not. No. I'm not perfect. Yeah. Far from it. So I wanted her to come in and she did this amazing deep dive on the industry and where we sit and where we want to be and be brutally honest about what we do well and where we can improve. Mm. And she gave me bits of homework and I frothed it. I was like, oh, Simone, I've done my homework. <laughs> How good's this? Because no one's invested in my growth in a very long time. Yeah. So I think having that foundation of respect and trust to allow them the space to yeah, grow into the role and what they're doing 
And there have been stumbles and as a founder, you have to step in and clean up the mess. Mm. But I think that's how people learn and grow as well. Yeah. So it's like taking the risk of if I hand this over, what if it all goes wrong? Yeah. And it might, and sometimes it does. But just knowing that the outcome, like the benefit there from them having that experience is so much greater. Yeah. Yeah, it will stay in their mind forever. Yeah. That's a great idea with getting that stuff. I'm going to give you homework. What was the biggest insight you had in that homework or your, you know, after people started giving you feedback, what was the biggest thing that you took away? She did some amazing work with some of her contacts in the PR sphere and um, she came back with like perceptions of how they see us and that's really hard to hear, even though they're all really good. Obviously. Um, <laughs> you know, one of them was like, oh, occasionally is late with content. And I'm like, no, never. I'm never late with content. Like that's untrue. And then she's like, well, this campaign, okay, that one time I was late with content, but it's because Brooke was really busy and like yeah. it's just so funny, yeah, seeing yourself projected back at you as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think, again, competitor analysis is so useful and I haven't really looked sideways in a very long time. Yeah. I used to be obsessed with it. Like I used to look at everyone all the time. And then the last, probably since we last spoke two years ago, I just kind of stopped. Yeah. I thought, what was the point? Like we're doing cool things. As long as I'm excited about what we're doing, who cares? Yeah. And that's been really beneficial for my growth and, you know, the direction of the agency. But then I need someone to be looking sideways. I think we're, I've been very guilty of that. Lauren's had this recently where she stopped looking. Yeah. I think I'm getting to that stage now. But yeah, you, because it's your baby, you're like, you know, you're obsessed with it. And yeah. so like when there's other babies, you're going to compare your baby to their Totally. And you get feedback in other ways and people you're working with. And if they're coming back to book you again, yeah, like that's kind of where you should be listening as opposed to listening to other people's highlight reels. (laughs) Cause they can be, that is so true. Is it not? They're posting a lot. They're announcing a lot and it's kind of like, yeah, but what's really going on there? We'll never know. Yes. I guess we'll never know. Hmm. Um, I have had that recently cause yeah, people will post these reels and because this is such a, I don't know if you found this, the reels, they look flashy and nice, but yeah, when the biggest thing that drives your business, particularly from signing new talent, mm. is honestly just word of mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of it is word of mouth and I've found that just things that you do come back. Totally. And that's the most important thing. Yeah. And again, being in the business of people, like you need to be good to your people and that includes your staff, it includes your clients, your agency partners. And something that I'm really passionate about is like breaking the chain of panic. And if people are like, you know, the client's yelling at the PR person, the PR person's trying to yell at me, I'm not going to yell at my staff who yells at the talent. I'm like, let's just break this up. Let's, you know, no need to do that. Let's all keep it super positive and solution focused. And yeah. Yeah, being good to the people around you, it comes back so much. We've got so much business and really big accounts because people like working with us. Yeah, right. Interesting. Mm. Um, God, there's so many things I want to ask you. Now, <laughs> uh, Do you? Th- I think in the next few years, uh, it sounds like TV is going to be the thing for you. I hope you so, think? yeah. Um. Is there anything you would, like, what do you hate about, maybe not Australian TV, what do you hate about the TV experience 
right now? And what would you like you what would you like to see change in particular? I mean, it's at the moment it's limiting. Like there aren't many spots yeah. for people. There aren't many roles for presenters or people being themselves. Um, if you don't want to go down like a maths situation. I think there's limited spots in like a reality show world. Like there's only so many I'm a celebrity or celebrity apprentice and then where do you go from there? It's If you look at, you know, media more broadly, it's been amazing seeing people who are kind of starting out as influencers or reality stars climbing the ranks, like an Abby Chatfield on The Masked Singer. Mm-hmm. That's incredible yeah. and such a smart move for them as well. Yeah. So I think ideally we'd see more shows, more roles, but how can they do that with streaming as well? That's what I mean. That's the hard part right now. Yeah. Is because we're in this weird segue where the networks are sort of news, lifestyle shows, sport, reality TV, and maybe like if you get like a Paramount or 10 yeah. type situation, you get like a streaming sort of yeah. thing. But then you've got pure streaming which or SVODs like Stan, mm-hmm. like um was it Paramount Plus? Yeah. You know, Netflix obviously. Do you think there's a new format of show that they those SVODs need to consider? Because they've sort of experimented with it. Like there was Byron Bay's, even though I hated it. Oh yeah. Um <laughs> it was I don't know, was it Love is Blind? Oh again, yeah, the, it's sort of it's just pure reality too. Totally, I think that people will be curious enough to explore, and they'll have the budgets from the streaming networks to kind of do that exploration. I just hope we can also do it in a way that is people presenting real stories, and it's not all sensationalized as well. Mm. Um, but then, how do you get people to watch it without that element to it? So it's kind of a wait and see. Like, where are these opportunities going to pop up? Yeah, because like comedy, mm-hmm. you only. The only way to explore comedy for TV at the moment is your cast on a show that's on a major network, which is often the ABC, mm-hmm. or on a streaming platform like an HBO or Paramount, or whatever it may be, or they buy your comedy special. Yeah, but then look at amazing shows like The 100 with Andy Lee. True. Panel-based, fantastic. The new one on 10 that was like, would I lie to you? Uh, amazing. You paying attention. Love that one. Yeah. The cheap seats. So there are things sort popping up. Yeah. yeah. I'm just like, more, give me more. Yeah. So we, yeah, we've been trying to develop a skit. I think Australia's been, Australia, maybe even the US, have been lacking a skit based show. The only thing that exists really here locally is Kinney Tonight, but I don't know if that got renewed. I'd have to chat to Max, but mm. I don't know if they got renewed on Channel 10. But I Can you think of a skit show that exists on streaming? Or Ooh. any network. Like there's Aunt, Auntie Donna's House of Fun, which was a once-off. They had that one that Rebel Wilson hosted where, like, she was trying to have people not laugh, oh, not all comedians. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> But I didn't watch yeah. it. I saw the ads. It looked very funny. That, but yeah, it's just one show. Yeah. Was non- they need, like, an always-on. When you're – as soon as you mentioned The 100, I was like, yep, yeah, it's an always-on show. Yeah. Like, I just remember um, – the show that Hamish was always on, and it's like, thank, yeah, thank God. Yeah. yeah, we loved that show growing up. Yeah. It was amazing. Anyway. It always mean? reminds me of Summer Heights High now, though. Does it? Yeah, Mr. G does, like, thank God you're here in his <laughs> drama class. Oh, right, yeah. That is a very old reference. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and, okay, and that, actually, when you think about it during COVID, the, what was, um, it's Chris Lilly, right? Yeah. 
What was his show that came out? Oh, I think it was a problematic one. Was and then it? they all got taken down. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember the name of it, Lauren? Like Maniac. The Maniac yeah. or something like that. Anyway. Um, <laughs> not, in, not endorsing. Okay. Before we wrap things up. Um, I feel like, did I even ask, answer your question about delegation to staff? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's circle back. No, you, you said that, like, you're just going to give them the rope and the room to go do the thing. Oh, fantastic. Yes. And I think I, yeah, I think I need to do that. Some of it is, is having resources and mm-hmm. some of it is being comfortable with it. Yeah. And like, a lot of it is also having time to mentor people. Mm. Like if I've got seven staff and they all get a one-on-one each week, that's seven hours each week. Yeah. Plus a team whip, plus a next of kin whip, plus. and then the senior working group. Do you do talent whip still? Um, not like structured. Okay. We do a yeah. Friday wrap email with everything in there. So you don't do big strategy one-on-one meetings anymore with your talent on like a monthly basis? Not monthly, probably like every six months. Okay. Interesting. We kind of have like a big overarching goals and we do like little touch base on that. Yeah. Because sometimes we like hit all the goals and we're like, oh, it's March. Like what else are we going to do? Because that's a big thing sapping my time is I do a lot of the sort of whip strategy meetings with talent mm. and I need to give more of that to Jackie so she's learning more. But also do the talent want to have that? Depends on the talent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Some do, some don't. Um, they have the freedom to cancel. I've got to come up with a better system though. Yeah, just cancel them. Yeah. It can be an email. Qu- I think quarterlies could be good, even, yeah, six months mm. for some people. just depends on the medium. Like, again, someone like Will, you, like he, we have to give him a checklist yeah. of things. Um, someone like Adam, who's a musician composer, he doesn't really need to do that. Mm. Like he, maybe every six months. It's also like how busy are these people? And I think there's this preconception that talent just have all this spare time mm. and you get feedback from brands of like, oh, it's just a really short reshoot, just that one story frame. Can, <laughs> I, can I have it tomorrow? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I would love to give it to you tomorrow so it's off my list, but yeah. she's on set for the next 10 hours with Maybelline yeah. and then she's recording this in studio and I'm like, I don't have access to her till Wednesday next week. That Yeah, that is that has got to be up there as the most ridiculous request I ever received. It's like someone saying, love the content, brand loves the content, can we just reshoot this part? Yeah. And I'm just thinking like, what are they doing? What are they doing? Oh, they've got this, this, this thing. I'm like, yeah. It's just. Or the briefs, like I want you to wear, I want you to wear this blue top. And like, okay, I'll wear the blue top. Oh, yeah, there's a branded logo. But then they're like, oh, I think it would perform better if you were in orange. It's like, oh, but you told me to wear blue. <laughs> Hurts yeah, my soul. Right. Yeah, okay. I think. I was going to ask what's the best and worst thing about talent management. It sounds sounds like that's the worst. Uh, what's the best thing? Not yeah. I think the worst is just managing deadlines. Not even about the people because the people are also managing their own deadlines. So I have a lot of empathy for them too. Yeah. Yeah, and just the workload. Again, people don't realize how much actually goes into it to deliver all this stuff. Um, the best I think is just like sharing. Getting to do things as a team with people as well, like it's never a solo win. Mm. So if we have a really cool project that goes live, we get to share that with the talent or with the team. So it feels very like community-based. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, very collaborative. So I feel like my social cup is very full when I leave work. And, yeah, I think just breaking down barriers of like what we can actually 
prove what influence marketing is. Mm. Like some days it is an Instagram post, some days it's hosting an event or doing a full photo shoot or being on a TV commercial or doing, you know, a product design collaboration for a brand. I think it's really cool that the iterations of what influencer marketing is has changed so much and we're always kind of pushing those boundaries. Mm. So when those things go live, I'm like, yeah, I did that. Nice. Yeah, that when you it's the finishing of a product that's really fucking cool. Yeah. Um all right. We're gonna do these rapid fire questions quick smart. All right. Um what's in the fridge at home at the moment? So I've been making a big batch of like a winter soup. Ooh, yeah. And trying to like meal prep it out. Okay. So there's a whole lot of soup in my fridge. What uh what have you got? Have you just gone like fifty ve- different types yeah. of vegetables? Yeah, yeah. All the veggies, a bit of broccoli, some leek. I like try and pre-roast the pumpkin and put that in there. Oh. Some stock, some garlic. Sounds like we should be doing that this weekend. It's just like a bowl of veggies. It's so good for you. It's so good. Do you know when I had like this I think I remember telling you about it, but I had like this uh, eating problem through the IBS that I had and I was blending and making like a lot of soups yep, nice. to get food down and we I was eating so much veggies that my, <laughs> what do you call it, Lauren? The It's like, it's not keratin, it's uh, the yellow. That's oh, like in, jaundice. No, 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 no. no. Oh. The colour in carrot. Oh, my Whatever God. the colour in carrot is, when oh. you consume... Yeah, carotenin or carotene. Oh. If you eat too much of it, it starts to no. show. <laughs> wow. In your hands and your face and your feet. And so I had a friend say to me, like, are you seeing fake tan? Yeah. I'm like, no. That's organic Why? fake tan. No, it's just <laughs> fish. That's amazing. And oh, whoops. And also that that carotene or keratin or whatever it is, it's in like pretty much every vegetable. Oh my gosh. So if you have it all the time, you just. I'm s- it. It's only if you blend. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm like still very pale, out. so it hasn't come through yet, but I'll <laughs> keep watch. Um, doco, movie, or TV show that you would recommend that you've been watching in the last six months? Ooh, okay. So I'm really late to the party on this one, but we just finished The White Lotus. Oh, okay. Still haven't watched it. It's good. Um, it was actually the inspiration for the theme song of uh, Wheels podcast. Oh, yeah. The music in there is incredible. Yeah. The whole thing is so good. It's so like wickedly funny okay and not always funny haha you're watching it and you're like oh this is bad is it on netflix some binge binge okay and i also just rewatched all of girls because the 10 year anniversary of girls um how many seasons are there there were six yeah um yeah we need to watch the white lotus wheels been going on about it yeah all right last question for you in the last 12 months what have you purchased under 200 bucks that's blown your mind Ooh. Okay. I've got a good answer. Yep. So we made day management tote bags. Okay. And we also made next of kin ones and gave it out to the team. And there was like 25 bucks each to print them. Nice. Obviously I had to pay a graphic designer. So maybe underneath the budget still just. <laughs> and it's so funny because like, you know, I've got the fancy handbag at home, but I'm using that tote bag. And every girl comes into the office, they've had it on the train, they take it to Pilates, it's everywhere. And they're cool and they look really great. And so it's been really fun seeing them out in the wild constantly and just, yeah, getting that branding out. I love it. Mm. Is it just a white tote? It's like a a white cream tote, but with like, we had these stickers and like icons made. Mm -hmm. We're um, 
also doing a real series talking about people promoting themselves on social media, but we do it every like half year to say what we've been working on. And these amazing graphic designers um, and branding experts are called Archie and Fox. They made these awesome icons for us and then they styled it in this like amazing image around the day management logo and it's all like purple and orange. And so it looks really cool. It's not just like the logo slapped on there. Mm. Um, and it has things that like we say around the office on there and our office dog Wesley has a little like icon and he's on there. And yeah, been using it every single day. Love that. Is um yeah, because Lauren Lauren loves her tote bags. Uh she's got a really fucking cool one at the moment. Former guest Cat Moses. Yep. The Sea Clear bags mm-hmm. is really cool. I don't know, I really like it. I couldn't use it personally. It's just a bit too feminine for me. <laughs> um, what are you gonna say you can't see what's in my bag? No. <laughs> yeah, I think it's more that you the stuff in your bag is not nice. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have nice um makeup bags or like what am I going to put in it anyway I don't really need it I use this Ikea sort of shoulder mm. weekender while I'm waiting on July to get their weekender back in stock nice that by the way that is an example of how bad supply chains are it's six months and I still haven't seen Oof. any updates it's rough it is anyway, rough I feel for product-based businesses product-based business at the moment yeah if you speak to some of them what they're paying for freight costs is yeah. out of this world. like for a container and it's wow. funny because we sit here and I'm always like, oh, wouldn't it be so good to make money while you sleep and not have to like physically do something yeah. to get sales in? But then you speak to your friends and supply um, product businesses and you're like, nope, I'm very happy it's, in service. Yeah, it's always, it's no different. You're always on. That's just the reality of having a business. Yeah, totally. Um, Jen Day, where can people find you on the interwebs? You can find me on Instagram at daymanagement, Genevieve underscore day, next of kin management. Mm-hmm. We're also on TikTok at daymanagement. Hey. hey. And I recommend following Jen if you want spicy content around whether you should be wearing slippers at work. <laughs> that went off. Which is great. Like In here, so I've got like a walker normally. I'm just, I don't even wear shoes. I'm just no, hanging around in my socks. It was embarrassing. I did it half as a gag. And then at like 2 p.m., I was like, I regret this, so what I won't be doing it. What was the worst response you got? Well, no, one of the best responses, I put an Instagram story up at like 8 a.m. because I was in early, and one of the girls at work saw that and wore her Uggs in. And I was like, love this commitment. So then I couldn't bail on it because I was like, she's done it, you know, done it for me, but I didn't walk and go and get lunch that day because I was too embarrassed. But hang on, you had boots in the background. Yeah, I had boots there. I was intending to wear the boots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I stuck to the slippers all day. But I didn't leave the office. I wasn't like in public. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> Jen, it's so good to see you. I'm so happy for you with what's happened in the last two years. You're killing it. Oh, thanks, mate. Um, thank you for coming in. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. If you liked it, do subscribe and, of course, like it on YouTube if you're watching as well. We'd really appreciate that. For audio, if you've not already listening on your podcast app, you can search for it on any good app, including Spotify, Pocket Cast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. For video, if you're not watching, you can search Uncommon Podcast on YouTube. It's the first one that appears every single time. For behind the scenes, do follow us on Instagram and TikTok. It's at uncommon underscore show. But until next time, thanks for tuning in.